0: You are listening to Living with Corona, Bridging the Gaps, a podcast that aims to initiate a larger global conversation about the current pandemic and address the questions we feel have largely been left unanswered.
1: This podcast started as a conversation between three friends in three different countries, each confiding in one another about the exceptional
2: situation our global society is living through. The conversation does not and should not end with us three women.
0: Our goal is to address the questions and concerns we have today by listening to the experiences of others.
1: Our efforts and intentions are honest, with the objective being to build an understanding between people that bridges continents and connects our world. Listen in, speak up, and be heard.
0: In your own words, however you might take this, what have you lost?
3: I think that, of course, the biggest thing that I lost and that everybody lost was, like, my freedom.
4: I think the biggest blow for me was actually my roommates. To lose, like, my family, it felt like.
5: Well, uh, I don't want to say it was a lost year, but actually, I do feel like I've lost.
6: I will say time is, is somehow linked with opportunities.
7: I would say I lost a lot of opportunities. I, I find it difficult to, to think about um, what I've lost, because apart from the obvious, which is income and financial s- security.
8: I feel like, if anything, I've lost time.
0: Hi, I'm Ina Aalse. I'm from also, Norway. I'm Amy Max from Minneapolis, Minnesota.
2: And I'm Teresa Vegas from Madrid, Spain. Today's episode will revolve around a feeling we think everyone can relate to these days, loss. There are so many different degrees of loss, so our aim for our next two episodes is exploring some of the varying ways corona has turned lives upside down, and thus our global society at large. Each individual has a unique story which informs the sum total of how our world is hurting. Giving word to the countless emotions surrounding COVID's impacts will help us to cope, which is why we're grateful to have given our interviewees for today's episode the platform through which they could address what they've experienced. Today, we present seven people in various circumstances who are all brought together by a common denominator, their loss caused by COVID-19.
0: Our first story begins in Brooklyn, New York, in the initial coronavirus hotspot of America. Gabrielle is 24 years old and lives in Brooklyn, New York, where up until March, she was teaching at an acting and modeling school while also working major events such as New York Fashion Week, and in the time she had between it all, auditioning for Broadway, television, and film productions. She managed to get a flight back to her parents' home in Minnesota during the peak of the outbreak.
4: Three months ago, my life was kind of a mess, but kind of setting up to be exactly what I wanted to be. I planted all the seeds and at this point, that's when I kind of expected them to start to bloom.
0: I think we could agree that our lives look totally different than we expected they would at this point in time. It can be very difficult to address the feelings that surround lost opportunities in general. Maybe it's so difficult because it's not a fault of our own, but collateral damage from the pandemic itself. Many of our interviewees for this episode are in their 20s, who by normal standards should be experiencing the best of young adult life right now we could feel the disappointment, sadness, and even resentment towards their loss.
1: Julie is a 26-year-old from Austin, Norway, currently residing in London in the UK. As a freelancer, she works within feature films and TV dramas and had landed what she thought of as her dream job with Warner Brothers, set to begin at the end of the year, just prior to the corona outbreak. Now, her work is ripped away and her future, as for most people working within her industry, is highly uncertain and quite difficult to plan for.
7: I was um, just starting out on a very big feature film production. That was something I hadn't done before. I haven't done much feature films, and it was a big production and a big step in in my career and very exciting times. And I think I did, like, three days, and then uh, I was packing to go to Liverpool and and uh, in England to film film for it. And, and just on the day, they were like, it's been canceled and we'll, we'll let you know what's gonna happen next.
1: While Julie chose to stay in her London home, another Norwegian halfway across the world felt compelled to return home due to safety reasons and the unknown consequences that the virus could bring with it.
9: In tough times, it's hard, or it's, it's nice to be close to family and, the people that means the most to you.
1: Meta is a 23-year-old student from Trondheim, Norway, and as the coronavirus was spreading throughout the globe, she was still enjoying her second and final semester of exchange in Perth, Australia. Advised to halt her studies by her school and the Norwegian Ministry of Foreign Affairs, she packed up her entire life in just one suitcase and left for home 48 hours later. It's sad uh, because
9: I had so much to look forward to. I had to leave friends that I just got to know. And it really hurts me to know that these people would be the ones that would make my semester great and that I missed out on lifelong friendships. I have so little time and yeah, I didn't get to say goodbye.
2: Jose Miguel from Mexico experienced a similar impression that of having lost opportunities that his college could have granted him. His objective was to move back to Berlin, Germany, where he lived before starting university in Mexico City. But his plans have had to change a bit since.
6: I wanted to go back to Germany uh, to study a double certification uh, through my school, a university. Uh, That was around my fifth semester, now I am in second semester. But with all this crisis, uh, I think we have now to postpone the, this, these plans more because of the financial problems that are, uh, are coming after this crisis, after the, the coronavirus, like the financial problems that my, my family is having because of the isolation and the, the whole markets and the whole yes. uh, commerce is not very bad, um, that is limiting our, our options. Or my options of going again to Germany any any place soon you know?
2: In your own words, what have you lost?
6: I will say time um, is is somehow linked with opportunities um, because now I am not going to my university to uh, to have the the personal classes. So I am not learning as I used to learn. I am I am losing this time that I have of university that are only four years. Mm-hmm. So the whole semester is gone.
0: Skaya is a 24-year-old who moved from Seattle, Washington to Los Angeles, California, just one week before the stay-at-home order went into effect
8: there. Initially, when, you know, when thinking about how I've been affected, the first thing I want to say is that I've lost opportunities and I've lost, um, you know, experiences. It's funny because, so there was a moment I was, you know, I had a long day at work. I got home. I had just ate. I just ate the previous night my last meal. So I had, you know, no, no food in the fridge. My, my pantry shelf was looking a little sad. Um, and so I pulled out Postmates and I was like, "Mm, like I'm craving, I'm craving a takeout. Like I'm going to get takeout tonight. And I opened up my app and I had a moment where I realized I didn't no, like I simply didn 't know what was available. I just haven 't had the chance because I was here for one week before um, stay at home orders um, so yeah it 's just it was such a strange moment here. I have no idea what I want, um, so you know they 're just those small moments, and like that 's so privileged to me to say like to complain about but it's i don't i don 't want to complain about it. I think it 's just very interesting that. I have a that was a moment like a reminder that I really don't know the city
0: even if it is you know you recognize your privilege and being able to say that it's also real so you know that's the point of our podcast is to just be you know admitting these feelings and kind of looking introspectively and then like talking to each other to try to find that sense of sanity um, in those conflicting emotions
2: Two topics that continually arose among our interviewees are that of privilege and freedom. We consider them both key in order to be more conscientious, understanding and empathetic human beings. It is undeniable that although COVID has altered our lifestyles, our choices and our freedoms, many of us continue to be privileged.
8: I'm in a very good situation compared to other people, but still, I do feel myself being feeling isolated.
5: Uh, I don't want to say it was a lost year, but actually, I do feel like I've lost kind of this small house of the year at least. Uh, but as I said, I feel so lucky because I could keep on with my
4: studies, from home, kept on studying Chinese. You realize how, even in, in such a crazy situation like this, it's really never that bad as long as you have people that are important to you and love you and that you care about it's almost uh, like
7: very cheesy but in in the loss of it all there is there has been some lovely little things mm. to to nurture me so i mean i mean i'm very privileged and fortunate in that, in that sense mm.
6: I feel uh, a, a, a bit of stress now. I'm so well grateful because I know that so many people have lost much more than that I have.
0: All of our interviewees seem to have a very healthy and respectable perspective on their situations. Despite the chaos they have all dealt with, they have continued to remind and humble themselves through the recognition that many are worse off. Unfortunately, not everyone has taken this approach, which has led to a lot of controversy online and in public protests. I'd like to bring up a tweet regarding this that really resonated with me and has helped our conversation. Twitter user Alex Leo said, It's truly wild watching people mistake inconvenience for oppression. It is incredibly thought-provoking to wonder whether in some of these cases it is a privilege to say that your freedoms are being violated.
1: It seems as though people feel that they have the right to do whatever they want and cite that as their freedom we feel entitled to have an audience in practicing our supposed freedoms and even more so when we feel our rights are being violated. This might have been possible in the world as we knew it before Corona, but now one
2: could argue that it poses a disregard for the common good of humanity. It's interesting this humanity trait you speak about, Ina. This is definitely a threat we have never experienced before, at least us, the youngest of this generation. Our inability to sacrifice what we consider our rights for the collective good is rooted in a profound lack of respect for public health experts and workers, governments, institutions, but ultimately, and most importantly, each other. Taking care of one another should not be seen as a violation of our rights. It is rather our duty.
1: And just because you're tired of the virus and the immense amount of conversations surrounding it, that doesn't mean that it's gone. I truly believe that we need to ask ourselves the question of, just because it looks like everybody else is breaking with guidelines and sharing it with the world through social media, does that allow me to do that very same thing? And if we all have that mindset, we truly need to fathom the standards we're setting for the younger generations and society
0: overall. This could be a learning curve in how we all exist on social media, as well as in our public lives at large. Discretion does not mean insignificance. As Ina said, we are constantly setting standards for each other and I think it's important that we be more mindful of the impact our posts have. What sacrifice means has been a topic of contention across all sectors. The saying, all for one and one for all, has seemingly been tossed aside during a time when it's needed the most. Although this virus has evolved in dramatically different ways across each of our own countries and the world, we should make the most honest attempt at practicing empathy. You've got to see it to believe it has continued to echo in my mind as I watch the news, talk to neighbors, and scroll through social media.
1: A disbelief in the virus itself and discrediting of those who know most about it has led to a sense of invincibility for many people. The sense has only been heightened as certain people have not immediately been, either through themselves or their loved ones, affected by COVID. If it doesn't affect me, I don't care. It's a dangerous mantra to live by, but it seems to be the song that many are saying as this pandemic drags on. Having a bit more humanity can
2: only lead to positive results. As the concepts of privilege and freedom are intertwined, I would like to remark on Alessia's words while we're discussing this. Alessia is a 22-year-old Italian who lives in Milan. She studies Chinese at the university, and like any other student, her social life, along with her schoolwork, has been limited and completely transformed. Hers is an interview which revolved around the concept of freedom.
3: I would say that the coronavirus turned my life Upside down, because, you know, Italy was one of the most damaged countries in the world. So, like, back in February, I started being so scared (laughs) of doing really anything, like going out, going to the grocery store or being close to people. And this made me feel so sad because, you know, Italians are, like, not like this. We We love touching each other and stuff. I think that, of course, the biggest thing that I lost and that everybody lost was, like, my freedom. I learned that freedom is a privilege, and I just became aware of it right now.
1: It was particularly interesting to talk to Alicia since traveling to Bergamo was part of her regular getaways. She actually happened to visit on the very same day that the first corona cases were confirmed. She was able to speak of that experience and, well, I left us speechless.
3: I remember when I was there, I was on Facebook. <laughs> you know, there was some articles saying four or five cases of coronavirus have been, you know, found in Bergamo and I wanted, like, to die because, you know, I was, like, there in the center. I remember that in Bergamo I went to the pharmacy to buy some hand sanitizer and, like, all the pharmacy there ran out of hand sanitizer and it was really scary because I was like, oh my god, it's really happening. When I was on my train back to Milan, I remember that I was really like scared. I didn't want to touch anything. I was like, okay. I had my scarf over my nose. And when I got to the Milano Central Station, I wanted to cry because there were lots of people that were trying to escape. But yeah, I was very scared when I like, went back to Milan because I was like, oh my God, maybe I'm infected. I'm not sure if I'm infected or not. Maybe I should stay home for two weeks.
0: Much of what Alicia spoke about reminded me of my conversation with Gabrielle. I know many people have lived a somewhat nomadic life during this pandemic due to different circumstances and pressures. While some have only had the option to shelter in place at home, others have sought refuge elsewhere. This was the case with Gabrielle, as New York City residents were encouraged to leave the city if they had another place to stay. While Alicia returned from Bergamo to Milan, others, such as Gabrielle and Meta, traveled a greater distance, with Gabrielle halfway across the United States and Meta halfway across the world. Gabrielle still pays rent for her apartment in Brooklyn while she's in Minnesota.
4: The biggest and most obvious way that it's affected my life is that I had to come back from Brooklyn and move in with my parents for a bit. I think the biggest blow for me was actually my roommates. Um, I went through a really hard year and I lived with three of my best friends. They were my best friends in college. They have stuck with me through everything, and they really carried me through all the tough parts and all the hard parts. And
1: when I asked Meta what her travel experience was like going home, she painted a clear picture.
9: It was all rushed before. Like I ordered my flight tickets two days before I left, and they didn't allow us to bring extra luggage on the airplane, so I had to pack down like all my life into one suitcase had to leave a bunch of stuff and well once we got to the airport i think i traveled early enough that the travel back home wasn't really too complicated uh yeah all the luggage i went through no delays i didn't imagine that would happen but the airplanes were packed (laughs) they were so full um but mostly of um young norwegian students that were told to go home and it was it was really sad because i knew that most of the people that were on that airplane did not want to go home at all i didn't have time to be sad or think about the situation too much Mm. just all happened so fast and i did like that wave kind of hit me once i got home so it's just about um like personal security too you
2: always feel feel more safe staying in your home country Lua Santos, a Spanish student living in China, had the same occur to her. She studied Chinese language and culture in Shanghai. But in the midst of her year, she had to leave the country and for the immediate future, will not be able to return.
5: It felt kind of, I was in a, on a movie. Everything seemed to be running away, That actually we were running away from China, trying to come back home as soon as possible. So everything, everyone seemed that they were carrying with them everything they could. Every, everyone was wearing masks. And you could see family, from families till young students like me, till, I don't know, old people just trying to go back home. So yeah, it was a chaos. There was no people on the streets. So that was kind of shocked because Shanghai is a really big city with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And then seeing the streets empty was really shocked. I would say sadness, but in fact, I was that shocked that I could barely feel anything, but a lot of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. I missed a lot of my life there. And also the people met who I couldn't even say goodbye because we didn't know we were not going to see each other again.
2: What do you think these coming months were gonna look like? What do you think your What do you see your future now, even looking like?
5: Say that also my next year that mm-hmm. I still don't know what is going to be <laughs> with me, but uh, I'm a bit more scared about studying abroad, uh-huh. far away from home, and just in the case this Corona outbreak comes back. Course. In winter or maybe a few months later, because this experience, uh, I'm trying not to experience it again.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Living with Corona, Bridging the Gaps. As we move through this time and try to navigate and adjust to the new normal, we invite you to join us in the conversation. Our next episode will further the focus on the theme of loss as we continue to explore ways in which the pandemic has touched our interviewees. What implications will the individual and collective loss we're currently experiencing have on our society, communities, families, and selves? We will speak with Joyce Beck, who was a psychotherapist for 32 years. Joyce is a board advisor of Peace Through Commerce, a freestanding independent nonprofit organization committed to creating a world of evolving consciousness and peace for all. He's Through Commerce acted as an event partner for the Nobel Peace Prize Forum in Oslo, Norway in 2018. Joyce's storied career and interdisciplinary work will assist us in unpacking the individual and collective loss we are experiencing today. Not just ourselves and our interviewees, but those of you listening and all around the world.
1: If you're intrigued by our questions and concerns, please subscribe and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud at Living with Corona-Bridging the Gaps follow us on Instagram and Facebook at livingwithcorona.podcast, where you will find updates about our future episodes and interviewees. If you would like to share your own story with us, please send us a message on either platform. Again, that's livingwithcorona.podcast.